Hello and welcome to another episode of the Giant Take Podcast. My name is Josh and I'm joined by my friend and co-host Alex over thousands of miles away. And uh, normally we're only a couple miles away in the same town, just in a different bedroom, but uh, it's a little bit different this time. And uh, we're excited that he can join us. Um, I'm going to actually I'll let Alex talk first about his current situation and we'll break down the TGT schedule and what's going on. Yes, I'm. You know, I'm here, I'm still alive, and uh, that's a good thing. I'm across the Atlantic Ocean, but I'm still here for Giant Take uh, because, you know, it's the most important thing in life. So uh, I'm excited to be here, and, uh, you know, I think we got a a fun episode today. Maybe not the lengthiest episode, but a a fun one indeed when we talk about some interior offensive linemen, some numbers. uh, There's an ambulance coming by right as I speak. So there's all sorts of fun stuff going on as I'm sitting in this hotel room. They got the uh, same noise out there that they would in New York City, though. It's the same ambulance sound. I thought it would be something completely different, like one of those European-type, like, or, you know, one of those. I don't know. Yeah, usually, you know, I, I assume ambulance sound sirens are pretty standardized throughout. No, they're not, though. There's, like, different they not? No. You look yeah. at the ones in England, it's different. Um, I did not know that. But anyway, not the point here. Um, <laughs> so let's go to the updated schedule here so obviously we had the interview last week with trevor sycamore from pff if you haven't listened to that already obviously you might as well go and do so that was a great time talking with him and so the schedule is as follows in today's episode we're going to be like alex said ranking the top three centers and guards that we feel are in this draft class and after that the plan was later this week uh we were going to do our 2.0 giant seven round mock draft which everyone seems to love from last draft all season and this Austin so far with a 1.0, uh, that went well with, uh, well, except the people who disagree with our picks. It went well when it comes to people who uh, enjoyed the content. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so that was supposed to be later this week. However, Alex is already away. I'm going to be away later this week, so it's, it's not going to work out. So instead of just taking the entire week off, we're just such on the grind that we decided that we will still do an episode this week to keep the once a week schedule going. However, we will be taking the rest of the week off just like we did last week. And next week will be our seven round mock draft 2.0 at some point. Uh, we don't have a specific date on that yet, but I just wanted to keep everyone who is listening kind of updated on what is going on there. Uh, I like to be kind of transparent with the listeners so they at least know what's coming. And, um, yeah, so that's the updates with that. I guess we could start out with talking. Uh, Giants news here. We got a couple things to cover to run through, and then we'll go straight to the offensive linemen. Unless Alex, you have anything to say? Uh, no, I don't think that's about it. You know, okay. Uh, yeah, go ahead, Darren Waller. Yeah. Ugly number. God. Yeah, number twelve. Uh, I always think of Tom Brady, obviously the the goat himself with the number twelve, and then also an ugly number with Paris Campbell being number zero. Uh, two very interesting numbers for those guys, but that's the least of our troubles or worries here. That's just news that came out. Uh, what is some or some bigger news? I should say our top 30 visits that the Giants are having. A few of those have already come out, including Boston College's wide receiver Zay Flowers. I don't know if I even said that correctly in English, but it is what it is. We move on. South Carolina cornerback Cam Smith, uh, TCU running back Kendra Miller, Oklahoma wide receiver Marvin Mims Jr. And USC wide receiver Jordan Addison are the top 30 visits with the Giants that we know of right now. I'm sure there's more in the works, uh, but that is the ones that are out on Twitter from various sources 
legitimate sources, I should say. I'm not going off of those nobody sources. Anyway, uh, new field turf is going to be placed inside MetLife. Uh, I'll get to you, Alex, in a second. New field turf is going to be placed inside MetLife Stadium. It has already been placed inside the Quest Diagnostics Training Center where the Giants practice, um, and the padding is already getting placed on the stadium. However, uh, the, the Quest Diagnostics Training Center, the new turf there, has already been placed down or replaced, whatever you want to say. MetLife Stadium, the patches are a little bit longer. Uh, you know, they got to be more meticulous with that. It is the stadium. It's not a practice field. That's going to take a couple more weeks until it's fully finished, but definitely, obviously, ready for uh, summer practices and, and tr- training camp, stuff like that. Okay, Alex, go ahead. Yeah, just talking about some of the uh, top 30 visits, you know, Zay Flowers, they obviously visited with him and had dinner with him the night before his pro day. Um, so that, you know, was not a surprising one that he's coming to visit. Uh, Cam Smith, uh, I believe we knew that he talked with the Giants at the Combine. I believe that came out in his, uh, like, uh, what do you call it, a like Combine presser that all the players have that he mentioned that he uh, visited with the Giants. So, again, not super surprising. Another, you know, press man quarter who could potentially be uh, a, a nice pick for the Giants, probably at 25, but maybe he falls to 57. I don't know. Um, TC running back Kendra Miller, that's an interesting one. Obviously, he's coming off an injury. Um, you know, he's not, he didn't actually participate at his pro day. Uh, wasn't at the, didn't participate at the combine, had a really good season for TCU, obviously, in their national championship run. Um, but, you know, a running back taking up one of those top 30 spots is always something to look out for. Uh, it's Marcus it's Nick- very odd because that means that you would think 30 guys, 30 guys might sound like a lot on paper. But, like, in actuality, it's not that many. I mean, this is only 30 people that you're looking to span to get to know better for the entire draft, uh, which is seven rounds, which consists of many picks. Uh, you know, what, what? what is it for the Giants? 155-plus picks. Actually, and nine going to the Giants, right? I'm, I'm, I'm hiding, I believe. I know, it's yeah, hard now with, uh, with the... Um, Wall- it was 11 before Waller's. Waller train, yeah. So... It's interesting that they're spending on a running back. That means they value the position pretty highly and looking for a backup, even though the Giants brought back Matt Breida. It seems like that's not enough. So I guess keep that in account. Go ahead. And also with someone like Miller, you know, with that injury that he's currently nursing, you probably want to have him in for visits so you can see him in person. So your medical staff can do, you know, uh, you know, testing, I guess, on him as well. So that's another important aspect of that, possibly. Um, wide receiver Marvin Mims Jr., you mentioned that. Uh, an interesting one. Haven't really seen the Giants linked or connected to him at all uh, so far besides this visit. So uh, certainly an interesting one there. And then Jordan Addison, we've heard, had a meeting at the Combine with the Giants. Had a somewhat disappointing Combine, um, you know, by his standards, I guess. And, uh, you know, I'm not surprised that he's coming in for a visit. Another one of the top wide receivers in this draft class. And then, you know, going to the field, I think it's important that they switch to a better type of turf. You know, it's the same one, I believe, that's in New England and Detroit. And if you look at their, there was an interesting set, ACL tears per 60 minutes. Um, You know, theirs are among some of the lower numbers in the league uh, compared to the Giants, who are obviously up there at the top of that list, uh, and the Jets as well. So uh, I think this could be a nice addition. Um, And I think, you know, hopefully it's it's not grass, it's not natural grass, so it's still a little bit disappointing, but... Um, I think this is, you know, the best next step. And 
you know, with the World Cup coming in 2026 to MetLife Stadium, a lot of people, uh, Art Stapleton actually mentioned this, that that might be the time where they transition to grass for that tournament and then grass stays on, uh, you know, after that point. So that uh, that's something to watch out for as well. Yeah, uh, John Mara at the, because the, they had the annual, um, what is it, like the convention with the coaches and the GMs and the owners, things of that yeah. nature. Uh, Mara actually spoke to the press about it and he said that natural grass is still in the running at another time in the future. So we'll have to see what that means. Moving on, Joe Shane and Brian Dable were at the TCU Pro Day to watch wide receiver Quentin Johnson. They uh, also could be watching uh, a guy, Steve Avila, which we'll be talking about a little bit later, who also goes to TCU. Oof, love that. <laughs> and then uh, we got one other thing here is that free agent interior linebacker Dion Jones will visit the New York Giants at some point within the next couple of days, either when they're recording here on Monday late afternoon or Tuesday. I think it's set for Tuesday, if I'm not mistaken. Jones spent the first six seasons of his career with the Atlanta Falcons, but he was actually traded to the Cleveland Browns last October. After coming off the IR, he appeared in 11 games with five starts for the Browns in 2022. Uh, he finished with 44 tackles, including six tackles for loss. Also recorded two and a half sacks, an interception, a forced fumble. The second round pick in 2016 had or has had played has played in 96 games. There we go. With 88 starts. He's amassed 12 interceptions, 11 sacks, 46 tackles for loss, uh, and 23 QB hits. Let's go now to the interior offensive lineman rankings. We got three centers, three guards, our top three at each. Now, uh, for anyone who's watching on YouTube now, and uh, also for the people who are listening, let's remind you uh, the normal rules of the, the pros and cons that we normally do. And the biggest part, of our rankings here is the actual rankings themselves of the grades that Alex cooking crystal meth formula that I like to reference from breaking bad. <laughs> uh, he's got the formula down. He uses the calculations of the formula, the calculations from the formula, give you the overall grade and the score correlates to the pick. He's away. Okay. He's on vacation. It's sad, but unfortunately, Fun is better than formulas, apparently. And so, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I don't have the formulas today. However, the rankings still stand of what we believe is our top three at each position, and we still have where we are projecting them to go in the draft. Um, it's just a little bit less, and the rankings will go a little bit quicker than they normally do. All right, Alex, let's start off with Olu Oluwatimi, the third ranked center on our list. 6'2", 309 pounds, a senior out of Michigan. Um, his pros, adequate drive strength and lower body as single blocker, plays with above average core strength, and secures first block before peaking up to the second level. I have him as a mid-third round pick, and I'll let you go. Yeah, I mean, when I've watched Michigan in the past, um, I always have noticed him as just kind of that leader of the offensive line. I always, for some reason, watch a lot of Michigan games. I don't know why, um, but he's always, you know, he's relatively solid uh, in pass protection. You know, he's not going to wow you with his physicality. Obviously, you mentioned he's only 6'2", 309, um, and overall, he's just a, a strong, it seems like a high IQ player whenever I watched him, um, and, you know, I'm actually surprised that he's been mocked so low. 
Uh, he hasn't really been in that conversation at center uh, a lot for uh, you know these top rankings, and we actually have him uh, over a couple of the other guys who I guess are more consensus top three. Um, you know, oh, wait, who's who's from Wisconsin? I'm, I'm blanking on his name right now. Is it uh Tintman? Yeah, Joe Tintman. So you know, uh, we ha- I guess this is kind of spoiler alert, but uh, you know, we have him above Tintman on this list, and I think. Um, I think this is a fair spot for him. And you said mid third round. I think that's probably about where he's going to go. And that's also uh, where we have him graded. Yeah. And I, I didn't get to touch on the weaknesses here. So I do also want to say that his kick slides inconsistent. He's also got a bad habit of some points panicking when he got when he has blocks or people lunging or grabbing. And then also he'll occasionally stop his feet uh, when delivering blocks. So that is another thing to note. Therefore, his cons, I forgot to write it in our outline. So good thing I remember it here. We go on to number two now. Luke Weipler, six foot three, 303 pounds, a junior from the Ohio State University. Some pros for him include his snap to, uh, snap to step quickness uh, for A gap blocks, his athleticism, pulling around the edge and finding some work to do, and he climbs the linebacker at winning angles. However, there is always cons. Arms are short by NFL standards, and he will lose control of some base blocks due to the lack of length. Um, so kind of hand in hand with the arms are short. What happens with his arm short? He's going to lose control of some blocks there. He also had issues snapping the ball at the correct time in 2021, which resulted in penalties. That was two. Nope. That was last season. I was going to say that was two seasons ago. I'm just used to 2023 now. That was last season. Uh, but as a center, it's your basic fundamental to snap the football so if that's a problem that's a that's a big deal uh however he cleaned it up this past season so that's definitely a good thing and the projection for wipler uh is higher than uh olu i did it well not olu uh what's olu witini olu witimi yeah um there you go yeah, I got it the first no, try. No, no, notice how I avoided the name throughout my entire talk about it. Well, we could just call him Olu as well. I mean, it was kind of kind of like Iki Aquanu last year. You, know, you just called him Iki instead of his like full first name. Um, but it was annoying because the first run, I guess it's like when you're looking at the last name, it's you know you're you're reading it, so you're roll. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, let me let me continue. Wipler ahead of uh, where we think Olu will be on this draft or in this draft, and we think Wipler is going to be a late second round pick. Anyway, go ahead, Alex. Yeah, I mean, what I'd say is he's really well balanced in terms of his run blocking and pass protection. He's an excellent run blocker, as Josh has you know kind of mentioned, and he's also great in pass protection. Actually, was you know second highest graded center pass protector or pass pass protector. I don't know why that was so hard to say uh, this past season. You did mention the short arms that definitely concern. He's twentieth percentile in terms of his arm length, uh, and because of that, you, he just doesn't get a lot of power from his arms. And that could be a struggle against some more physically imposing interior defensive linemen. So that's definitely a concern. Despite him, you know, being a decent size at six three three oh three, it's more the arm like that's really a big concern. I think that could end up driving him down, you know, ten, fifteen, maybe even twenty picks, uh, if then if he had, you know, let's say ninetieth percentile uh arm length. So certainly an interesting one there and I'm kind of fascinated to see where he ends up going obviously he came from a big school in ohio state had a lot of experience there with cj stroud uh and all that you know talented uh ohio state offense so i'm interested to see where he ends up but we have him here as our uh second highest graded center um and i'll let you go to our number one guy who i think is kind of the consensus number one guy 
Yeah, also, according to PFF with Weipler, uh, had allowed only one sack out of 449 passing snaps. Uh, so I want to note that down, too. Okay, number one, John Michael Schmitz. We've talked about him before, last episode especially, too. Six foot three, 301 pounds, senior out of Minnesota. Uh, the main pro with him is how vocal he is on the offensive line. Definitely a leader that he was at Minnesota, and I'm sure he can bring that to whatever team uh, he goes to. He makes up the, you know, so makes all the calls up front, obviously, like I said, lateral quickness from reach blocks in the outside zone as well. He's also consistent as a block finisher. So you hear block, block, both of those pros there, a very good blocker, uh, Schmitz is. However, he does uh, come with cons. Below average adjustments to moving targets, his arm length, another guy uh, with below average arm length, and gets overextended with aggressive path setting uh, slides, I should say. We have him projected as a late first round pick. He keeps on climbing up. So he started out as a mid to late or early to a mid second round pick. Now he's kind of crept up to a, uh, a late first round pick and it could be a mid first round pick by the time we get to later April. Yeah. You mentioned, um, you know, his pass protection issues. That's definitely the big concern for Schmitz. It's more that. You know, is he going to be able to adjust to NFL pass protection? As a run blocker, he's outstanding. He's going to be able to keep up uh, and really push the line of scrimmage. But on, you know, when some of these elite pass rushing interior guys are running at you, how are you going to be able to do? Actually, for Schmitz, I did actually end up grading him. I did a little bit of research uh, for him. I had him uh, as a second round graded player in terms of what we did. Um, or like an early second round graded player. And uh, it does look like now he's going to be uh, a late first round, maybe even mid first round player. And one more thing to mention with him, which is really important. He's already 24 years old. Um, so that's something that needs to be taken into account. when you look at the lack of positional value already at the center spot, and then the lack of value that maybe you get a younger guy, maybe two years younger uh, in someone like Weipler um, or Whipler who, you know, it's, going to give you a more you know more longevity uh long term so that's definitely something to think about um as well and he only played center in college another thing right some of these other guys had some flexibility uh olu has played all three interior spots um i believe whip weichler has played uh guard a little bit i'm not exactly positive but i think he's played a few snaps at guard so those guys have flexibility schmitz only at center so that's going to do it for our top three centers in this year's NFL draft. We move to our top three guards. A little bit harder to rank only because I feel like the the um, position itself when it comes to the draft, centers are kind of easier to look at who stands out and who doesn't. Guards a little bit different, I would say. So third, we have here Cody Mock, 6'5", 302 pounds, North Dakota State senior. Um very big guy. I mean, as all all these guys are, but six foot five. Uh, pros plays with desired demeanor and also toughness for the position. He looks to accelerate and obliterate down blocks, and he also sustains blocks on both first and the second level. Uh, however, some cons: short arms. Uh, the arm length is really apparent in this episode and this rankings, I should say. Uh, which sometimes uh, also with his torso too. Uh, looks a little out of whack with a long torso or on long torso. Uh, wait, I'm trying to figure out how I said this bullet. Yeah, short arms look out of whack on long torso. Footwork and pass sets can get away from him and elevated strike point getting into his double teams. 
second round grade uh, for Mock. I'm going to look to see if I have any other notes on him in this other doc. I'm kind of going back and forth. Alex? What I would say is someone who's usually 6'5 or above, um, obviously a little bit light at 302, usually someone that looks more towards the tackle position than the guard position. But in this case, his short arms, never a good thing for a tackle. Tackles need long, long arms. Uh, if you remember a few years back for the New York Giants, uh, or a couple of years back now, I don't know how many years, maybe three years ago, uh, Matt Parrott was drafted 99th overall by the New York Giants because he had the longest arms in the draft. Not because he necessarily had the greatest tape uh, at UConn, but you saw the upside there because the scouts see, you know, what I don't know how long his arms were, but they were extremely long. Uh, and they see, wow, what could he do at the tackle position because of that? And with Mock, I think it's, you know, uh, the, the lack of arm length is concerning, but when you're placed at the guard position, it's not as big of a deal as, as tackle or even setter. Uh, I feel like at times uh, when the center's one-on-one with the defensive tackle, sometimes that arm length could come in handy. Yeah, only allowed one sack on 304 passing plays uh, in his time at North Dakota State. Okay, now now, uh, now to number two, I want to say, is uh, Steve Avila. Just I think I mentioned him a little bit earlier. 6'3", 332 pounds, senior out of TCU. Pros, he's the team captain, so some leadership there. He's a, uh, had a full season of starting experience at both center and left guard. So, Alex, you talk about uh, experiences at different positions. There you go. That's one right there. Uh, started at center in his earlier years as an underclassman in college. And then this past season when TCU made it to the national championship, he was their starting left guard. Uh, he plays with good flex uh, I was going to say flexecution. Flexion and body control <laughs> uh, for a man his size. Cons. Occasional delays in recognizing twists. Uh, setups needs to study his hands and improve his punch accuracy and pass pro and could use some better rhythm and control with um, some steps into his first strike a mid-second round grade for Avila but a very good guard I mean one of the reasons you know every player on that team had to be good in order for them to make it all to the national championship Um, very good player there yeah, Avila's a really interesting one. Some people have him marked down as a setter in the NFL. Some people have him marked down as a guard. Obviously, we have him now marked down as a guard. We talked to Trevor Sycamore actually last week, so go check out that interview. Uh, and we're talking about with a v- uh, with him about Avila, excuse me. Uh, and he was kind of saying, I see him more as a guard. You look at the snaps he played in college. He played a lot more guard in the, his most recent years uh, than setter. So, you know, he probably projects more as a guard uh, going forward in the NFL. And, you know, I think after doing some more research after that, I originally had him as more of a center in my mind before talking to uh, to Trevor Sycamore. But now that he mentioned that, I kind of did a little bit of research after and you realize, OK, you know, 98 percent of the snaps or whatever he took in 2022 were at guard at left guard specifically. He's probably a good fit at that position, considering that is the year that TCU ended up going to the national championship and was his best year as a college athlete. So definitely something uh, to think about there. And uh, there's not really much to say more about him than just the word leader. He's the leader of that TCU front. Uh, He was one of the key, you know, pieces of that offense, uh, along with Quentin Johnston, uh, Mac Duggan, obviously at quarterback. And, um, you know, Steve Avila is right back up there as well. So I think he's going to go a lot earlier than people think, because I think people, uh, teams really value leadership ability, experience. Um, I think he's going to go 
higher than people think. I think a lot of people have him pegged more in the third round. I think he will go in probably most likely round two, which is where we have him, right, Josh? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think uh, Avila's a very good player. I could see him playing either both center or guard in the NFL. However, more recently, he's been playing guard. And again, we talk about him on the uh, uh, interview with Trevor Sikama. So watch, listen to that, whatever you want to do. That came out last week, and uh, he definitely had some wise wisdom uh, talking about Avila and how he fits into an NFL team. Okay, so now going to our number one, I would think the most obvious person here. I don't know who's more of an obvious person. Schmitz at number one on the center's list or Osiris Torrance at number one on the guards list. I think it's up in the air. Definitely debatable here who's best at their respective position. 605, 330 pounds. Torrance is out of Florida. A junior, some pros. Very broad across the chest and waist. Uh, he has a wide build, which creates um, definitely an in- impediment for interior pass rushers. And then finally, he was penalty-free throughout the 2022 season per, per P- uh, PFF. Excuse me. So that's definitely a good thing. You want to not draw penalties as an offensive lineman. Cons, someone indecisive when faced with pressure looks. Struggles to effectively mirror athletic rushers and unable to bend and create pop- proper leverage into contact. First round grade for Osiris Torrance. As Giants fans, we have seen him mocked to the New York Giants at 25 a numerous amount of times. However, at this point, I think Osiris' stock is rising, just like all these other guys really on the list. And I think he's going to be a mid-first round pick. I don't even think he's going to fall to 25 to the Giants anymore. And, you know, you mentioned how he could struggle against speed rushers. He's definitely susceptible to speed rush moves. His agility and overall athleticism is just not, I wouldn't say he's not, I wouldn't say he's unathletic, but I wouldn't say he's, you know, uh, I guess a exquisite athlete like some of these other guys, uh, you know, that we've seen in the past couple years uh, in the draft in general, how I would classify this offensive line class as interior class specifically, if you're taking one thing uh, from this episode or video, this offensive line class, they're not going to be testing off the charts these interior guys but they bring a lot of leadership football iq um and overall solid technique in run blocking and also pass pro so that's that's what you get from them there's not a lot of upside for a lot of these guys they're not going to be much better than you know they are already uh so i think that's kind of what you're looking at you're not looking at you know taking a shot a big risk like an anthony richard or richardson at qb or a quentin johnston at wide receiver um you're you're kind of getting what you get uh, and you hopefully aren't upset uh did you like that josh is that funny no anyway um so tor yeah torrance is a great player he's got a huge frame he's six five uh you know 340 ish pounds he's really good against stunts uh which is obviously really helpful in the nfl which is you know happens much more often than in college and uh, he's got really good strong hands experience at both guard spots uh, i think he's just a really really solid guy who just doesn't get talked enough talked about enough in this draft class uh and with torrance that's going to do it for our top off uh, interior offensive lineman rankings uh in this year's nfl draft i'll kind of run through one more time just so everyone uh, got it down let's start with the guards or centers who we did first excuse me we had olu olu with team uh at number three there luke weipler at two and john michael schmitz at three or at one I think I flipped it. Yep, I did. So Schmitz at one. Weipler two. Olu at three. Guards. 
uh, going one to three. Osiris Torrance at one, Siva Vila at two, and Cody Mock at three. And again, um, you know, hopefully we'll have the grades on later, but we'll have to wait and see. Uh, you know, takes time, takes time. But that's going to do it for our interior offensive lineman rankings for the 2023 NFL Draft. All right, let's get some final plugs in here before we wrap up this episode. You can follow the Giant Take Pod on Twitter and TikTok, the Giant Take Podcast, and Instagram and Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. And um, chipastudios.com slash Giant Take. Alex on Twitter at Inorian23. I'm on Twitter at JoshJola29. Uh, I, I want to say I promise that next week's episode will be a little bit more crisp and clean here, whether it's with the audio, whether it's what we're talking about. Kind of had to do this with the best conditions that we had and um, hope to bring you a little bit, I guess, better content, you could say, uh, for the seven-round mock draft. I'm excited to do that because we already have that kind of done. I think the picks are a little bit more realistic, in my personal opinion, than the 1.0. Not saying that the 1.0 was good or bad. Just don't think the Giants are taking a guy like Stetson Bennett in round six or whatever. Welcome to the All 80s Movies Podcast. I'm Bill. And I'm Jason. And this is the podcast where we talk about the blockbusters, the flops, and everything in between from one of the freshest decades for movies, the 1980s. So whether you're a brain, a jock, a valley girl, or a Jedi, we've got some 80s classics for you. Do these movies stand the test of time? Are we discovering something new? Is there an 80s movie we're finally watching for the first time? Join us each week as we dive into the cinematic nostalgia that inspired and influenced a generation. From the hits to the cult classics, we'll discuss our earliest memories, favorite scenes, fun facts, and our not-so-favorite movie moments, too. It's the All 80s Movies Podcast, now available on all major streaming platforms. Please subscribe and happy listening.